Tony Stark, Thor, Bruce Banner, Captain America, Black Widow, War Machine, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Black Panther, Gamora, Nebula, Loki, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Falcon, Bucky Barnes, Himdall, Wong, Mantis, Drax, Groot, Rocket, Pepper Potts, The Collector, Star-Lord, and Thanos. Damn, Mike, I think you got just about all the heroes in this film. I think you did miss a few of them, though, because how many were they saying? Something like 26, 27, 40? I don't remember what the exact number is. Oh, anyways, it doesn't matter. They all die. Oh, shit. I probably shouldn't have said that. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of the Real Film Nerds Podcast. This week, we are talking Avengers Infinity War, one of the best, most incredible MCU films to be released to date, in my opinion. Now, on that note... I'm going to give you a fair warning. Everyone gets a fair warning. Spoilers, 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 and more spoilers. That's your fair warning, people. We are going to spoil the hell out of this film because I don't know how you review it and not spoil the hell out of it. This week, spoilers. What do you think of that, Mike? Did I warn him enough? Yes, I think you you said spoilers probably 15, 20 times. So if they don't know that we're about to spoil the crap out of this movie, well, I guess we can't do much more than that. Okay, so fair warning. If you want to send us hate mail because we spoiled it, feel free. But I will send you the clip of me saying spoilers 20 goddamn times. Yeah, that sounds good, Matt. All right. I think they know. Effing incredible. Infinity War was amazing. Amazing. I freaking love this movie. Yeah, Matt, this this movie was so much fun. We, we, we saw it in a late uh, showtime here uh, where I live. Uh, and it was it was a really good crowd and everybody was just excited. There was a guy to the left who had a Thanos hand. Uh, with all the Infinity Stones, he had the, the he the, had the, the gauntlet. Yeah, he nice. had that, and he like held it up like a couple times in the That's movie. Awesome. Uh, it was it was just a great it was a great time. It was such a fun movie. You know, it's just uh, it's you know it's two hours and twenty nine minutes, and it doesn't feel like that at all. There's so much stuff going on. It's just amazing. Oh, I agree with you. When I got out of the movie, I saw the Prescott midnight showing, which is really 1030. But when I got out of the movie at one thirty in the morning on a school night, I was like, wow, I can't believe it's one thirty. I did not realize that that much time had passed. It was, it was that good of a film. It was very engaging from beginning to end. Yeah. It's just an all engrossing experience. I mean, all these movies that we've been watching for the last uh, 10 years have kind of been building up to this and it's just been, it, it was such an awesome ride. 
I think the uh, the directors, the the Russo brothers, did an amazing job at stitching all this together. Like I can't even try and fathom trying to get all these characters and all the screen time and everything for everyone all to work and not be like 19 hours long and all kinds of stuff. Like it was really well done. All right. So before we get too ahead of ourselves, since we haven't done it yet, go ahead and give us the rundown for this film, even though I really doubt we need it. Okay, Matt. As the Avengers and their allies have continued to protect the world from threats too large for any one hero to handle, a new danger has emerged from the cosmic shadows, Thanos. A despot of intergalactic infamy, his goal is to collect all six Infinity Stones, artifacts of unimaginable power, and use them to inflict his twisted will on all of reality. Everything the Avengers have fought, fought for has led up to this moment. The fate of the Earth and existence itself has never been more uncertain. Okay. You're going to do the rest of it? No, that was all of it. Well, you didn't do the directors, the writers, or the stars. Oh, well, sure. Hold on. (laughs) 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 Oh, no, I'm not editing it out. This is all staying in. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. All right. So the directors are the Russo brothers, Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. The the writers – oh, man, there's a lot of writers. I don't know if I – whoa. Yeah, wow. I don't think you have to read all like 17 or 16 of them or whatever. Just to, just give us the main ones. All right, so the screenplay is Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Wow, this movie was just ah, uh, I really liked this movie a lot. Like it was I don't know, it was it was exactly what it needed to be. I I loved it. So what was your favorite part of the whole movie, Mike? Ooh, Matt, that's that's really hard to to say. But I think it's uh, a scene with uh, Star-Lord and, um, well, a bunch of people. Star-Lord, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Drax, and uh, Mantis, they're all taking on Thanos. And they pretty much, they're trying to pull off uh, the gauntlet. Uh, They pretty much have it off. And he's trying to find out what happened to Gamora. Basically, he's starting to figure out that she's dead. And he just, um, Star-Lord just kind of loses it. Yeah, and Star-Lord screws the pooch, basically. Yeah, screws, yeah, he screws the pooch. (laughs) And uh, they pretty much, I wouldn't say they had Thanos beat, but they pretty much had him, had the Infinity Stones off of him. I mean, he's still a crazy strong character and stuff, but. I would say he was not beat, but he was definitely subdued enough for them to be able to get the gauntlet off of his arm. Yeah, uh, that was a really good scene. I thought it was well done and how it illustrated how strong Thanos is because all of these characters are doing everything they can and they're barely being able to do anything to him. What I loved about that scene was um, Doctor Strange. I like ah. how you get to see Doctor Strange really... You being used kind of as a weapon, like his spells and throwing people around and stuff like that, and how everyone is taking their best assets, I guess you would say, their superpowers, for lack of a better term, and they're using them all combined together instead of just Doctor Strange trying to throw them to another universe or whatever, or, you know, Tony Stark trying to blow them up with missiles and not worrying about it. It was all of them working together to try and get them to, to weaken him. 
I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it was a really uh, well done scene with that combined teamwork. He was warping in and out Spider-Man and, you know, because Spider-Man's throwing his webs on Thanos' eyes and, and uh, you know, Drax is holding his leg and then Mantis gets on top of him and, like, is trying to to do her thing where she, like, subdues you and, like, kind of gets you into, like, sleep. But, of course, Thanos is so powerful, he doesn't even go to sleep. He's just, like, tampered tampered down. Yeah, He's she not- was doing her <laughs> mind, mind control thing, yeah. Yeah. Her, not mind control, it's, like, emotions or whatever, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was probably my favorite scene in the movie. Although there is so much good... Like some people will argue, maybe that there was too much comedy in this movie, but I thought it was just right. No, there was no, a little no. bit of comedy, but it was mostly very serious. The whole movie kind of starts out. I mean, I guess the beginning, like we said, there's tons of spoilers. We see the Hulk get his ass kicked by Thanos. Yeah, w- without even like batting an eye, Thanos just makes the Hulk his little bitch, and the Hulk in the comic book world theoretically has limitless strength limitless and thanos still whoops his ass without even trying he beat him down so bad that throughout the movie when when um bruce banner's trying to get the hulk to come out he's like no that actually will play probably a very big role in future films is hulk and what and his relationship with bruce banner in this film Hmm, interesting man Interesting to know. Yeah. But, you know, uh, at the same time, I really like this movie because Thanos, besides being just this monstrous force that's pretty much indestructible and he has his own, what I'd like to call children of the Goonies. <laughs> children of the Goonies. Yeah. Uh, relating, <laughs> because Josh uh, Brolin, cause Josh Josh Brolin, Brolin is in the Goonies, huh? Yeah. Josh Brolin, it, who plays Thanos's uh character is was in the goonies anyway goober (laughs) well i had a fun interesting conversation with our number three listener last night when i was shooting a rattlers game uh patrick breen we were actually discussing avengers affinity war while we were working one of the biggest topics that he and i were discussing while we should have been photographing a football game or as we were photographing a football game thanos He's a very unique villain. He's a lot like Killmonger in Black Panther, where Thanos thinks of himself as the good guy. He is going in here. He's going to save the universe by wiping out half the population so that people will not starve, so that people will not use up all the resources. I mean, that's what's so incredible about Thanos as a character is that He's a good guy from a certain perspective. He's not out to kill just to kill. Yeah, he he definitely, to build on that, Matt, he he has many opportunities to do much more damage or hurt more people, and he doesn't. He leaves. Like, there's a time, there's a point, I mean, this is in the beginning where he could have taken out Thor easily, and he doesn't. He just leaves. Yeah, well, or like at the end of the film, when he snaps his fingers on the Infinity Gauntlet and eradicates half the universe, again, spoilers, 
He could have snapped his fingers or like slapped his hand or something and literally killed everyone, but he doesn't. He only kills half of the universe. Yeah. Um, he and you think of him as this like person who doesn't care about anything. Remember spoilers when when he has to uh, sacrifice Gamora to get the um, was that the spirit? Nope. Soul stone. Soul stone. Sorry. Sorry. Soul stone. Which is going to be a huge, well, we could discuss it in a little bit later once you finish your thought, but the Soul Stone is going to be a major, major part, in my eyes, in future films to come, and immediate future films. Okay, so so the Soul Stone, you can see that that was really hard for him. He really did think of Gamora as his daughter, even though she has, oh, she has kind of a mixed... Well, not mixed. She, she hates him most of the time, but there are some times where he, she saw that he genuinely cared about her. So it was, you know, kind of a, a mixed bag of emotions. This, this this Avengers has lots of kind of emotions. Even Thor kind of gets a little teary eyed when he's like, "I think, I th- I think my brother's killed for real this time, and my mom and my dad and." My my sister took my eyeball. Yeah, when he was meeting <laughs> when he was meeting up with all the uh, guardians, and they were all talking about how all their family members have died, and he's like, "Yeah, all mine too," kind of thing. I, I mean, there's so many good things to talk about this movie, man. Like even how they paired up the meeting of some of these characters, I thought it was great. Like St- Star Lord and and Thor have this great scene where they're just <laughs> where they're just. I don't know, like I know Star exactly Lord. which one you're talking about. The one where the one where Star Lord starts um talking in a deeper, more masculine voice because he everybody's like admiring Thor. They're like, Oh, he's a man and look, these are muscles and you're getting kinda, you know, a little bit on a husky side. And then immediately like Star Lord's voice goes like, Oh yeah? I don't think so. I don't know what you're talking about. Stop copying me. Oh god, that was so funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr- Drax is like, well, that's a real man right there. Like he's <laughs> just like totally ripping on on Star Lord, <laughs> and he's like, that's it. I'm getting a Bowflex. There's <laughs> there's so many like really good just references that are also in the movie about just kind of pop culture. I mean, this movie really has everything. I guess it's two hours and thirty minutes of just awesome. There, there there's a there's another scene where. Actually, in that scene, that particular scene, there's a part I, – I don't remember exactly what Star-Lord said, but uh, Thor is like, all words are made up because I think he said something – words are made up. It was it was really funny because it was just so literal. I really like the pairing of, of those guys. There was Black Panther and Captain America, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. They're both kind of like arrogant guys a little bit so like to have their two personalities kind of butting heads the whole time was very funny and good to go back to that scene you were talking about earlier where thor meets the guardians one of my favorite things i'll I'll just throw it out there i think my favorite films in the marvel cinematic universe are probably the guardians of the galaxy films I just love the Guardians of the Galaxies films. I think they're just incredible. From the first movie, first Guardians, all the way to Infinity War, to see how Drax has grown as a character and changed is just, I just love it. I just absolutely love it. That scene 
where I don't remember who said it. I, re- I know Star-Lord sent one of them. What Gamora? And someone said, like, when Gamora? And Drax chimes in with, like, I'll do one better. Why Gamora? I just thought that was just so funny. Oh, you're that right. You're such right. Such a yeah. good scene. That yeah, was there's, so funny. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of great scene. The the movie is just great scene after great scene. A little bit of humor, not too much. A lot of times it's more dark because of the overall tone of the movie is still kept intact, but there's still those moments of lightness with some of the the, the things, the one-liners or the different things that people say. So, I don't know. It was just so much fun. Not to tie it to Star Wars like I'm going to. In Star Wars, The Last Jedi, one of my most hated Star Wars films, <laughs> there, was, there was lots and lots and lots of humor in The Last Jedi that felt like it was forced. It just didn't feel right. It felt wrong. It felt like they just did it to do it. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like it belonged there. In Infinity War and in Guardians of the Galaxy and a lot of the Marvel films, there's quite a bit of humor, but it's not forced. It is relevant. It makes sense. They know when to be funny. They know when not to be funny. They know when to be serious. They know when to cut it out. They know when to dial it back. And I really applaud that because, Ryan Johnson, you screwed the pooch in Last Jedi. I'll just say it. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, to keep on the Star Wars thing just a little bit, they are predicting uh, that uh, Avengers Infinity War has overtaken Force Awakens opening Force, weekend. Yeah, Force Awakens uh, is 250-plus million uh, for this weekend domestically and uh, worldwide – 630 million on opening weekend that is madness opening weekend and that doesn't include china yet that's crazy yeah so they almost i mean it's crazy they already have more than half a billion dollars and the movie's only been out for three well kind of four days but three (laughs) i'd like to see how much they spent to make this movie too because it it was not cheap it could not have been cheap at all no they must have spent a lot of money that being said they also filmed the the next one we don't know what it's called yet but i guess the name itself is supposed to be a spoiler yeah because um i was talking with uh frank uh my brother-in-law last night after the football game the reason why they have not released the title for avengers 4 they have the title But the reason why they have not released the title yet is because it is a massive spoiler for this film, Avengers Infinity War, and they want everybody to have a chance to see this movie before they release the title of the next one. So I think they will probably release it maybe six months from now, maybe sooner. I don't know. But clearly it's going to be something like Redemption or Recovery or I don't know. It's going to be something. That will spoil the hell out of this movie. Yeah. So that's why that's why everybody's just calling it Avengers 4. Now, I personally enjoy, like, Frank was saying, oh, well, isn't this Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and the next one will be Infinity War Part 2? I was like, no. They're completely different films. It's a continuing story, but they're completely different films. Right. Instead of having, oh, well, we broke this really great, awesome, long-ass movie into two different movies. No, they're separate movies, clearly. 
Yeah. Um, and this, or will this, be. Yeah. Th- this movie was just ah, so awesome. I I really – I mean, I guess I wasn't quite expecting what I got. And, man, I loved every every minute of it. Not expecting what we got. Let's get into some of that. I know it's going to piss some people off. But, again, spoilers. More and more spoilers. What did you think when you saw Red Skull pop out? How cool was that? That was uh, quite surprising, actually. Uh, yeah, that it, was awesome. I was like, wow. I mean, there, there's so many characters in this movie. What, Matt, what, what, what were you saying earlier? Like 69 main characters? 70, yeah. 70. 70 quote-unquote main title characters. Whew. Yep. But no, Red Skull... Oh, dude, that part was so awesome to see Red Skull as the uh, kind of the caretaker of the Soul Stone. That was so awesome because we have not seen Red Skull since the original Captain America film. Yeah, that's true. I was like, at first I was doing a double take. Is that is that Red Skull? And uh, yes. And that was, uh, what year was it? Oh, let's look. To the internet. 2011. So that's seven years. Seven years we have not seen Red Skull. Now, you know, here's some trivia for you folks that weren't paying attention to the premiere or things like that or really don't care. I mean, I don't care too much, but... When a character like this, that's such a, a big character, was not played by everyone's favorite, Hugo Weaving, who you will remember from the Matrix trilogies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Mr. Uh, the Mr. Smith, Agent Smith, right? Or one of the Agent Smiths. Right. That is Agent Smith. Yes. Hugo Weaving, after the conclusion of Captain America openly said that he never wanted to play Red Skull again, even if he was invited back. He just did not want to play it. And I don't know, I don't remember the reasoning behind it, but there's something behind it. So, guess who plays Red Skull in Avengers Affinity War? People who watched the premiere saw this actor walking down the red carpet and went, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Do you know who it is? So no, Matt. I am I am on on the edge of my seat. Tell me who is who is the new Red Skull? Ross Marquan from The Walking Dead. Oh, awesome! So Ross Marquan played Red Skull in this movie, and they kept it under such tight wraps. Everybody was asking what he was doing at the premiere. Like no one knew until after they watched the movie at the premiere that he was even in it. That's pretty remarkable. So I have, I mean, I mean, we're just going to keep it rolling with the spoilers. Oh, yeah. So like, so, so Peter Dinklage is in this movie. Oh, yeah. And, and so many people knew that he was in the movie, but they couldn't figure out what character he was going to be. So now we can finally tell you that he was Etri, which is uh, one of the guys who helps forge, um, Thor's like hammer and and the the gauntlet. Yep, he's one of the weapons forging dwarfs, I believe they're called. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, quite quite awesome when you're in the theater and Peter Tinklage comes on the screen and he's 
He's a giant. And he's like 12, like 12 feet tall dwarf. Yeah. How freaking awesome was that? Seriously. I think a lot of people were pretty pretty happy in the theater because, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is so huge and everybody loves it. And his character in Game of Thrones is probably uh, maybe my favorite. I don't know. He just he's. He's pretty ridiculous, and uh, I, I've i enjoyed him throughout the seasons in Game of Thrones. He's definitely towards the top, for sure. For sure. He, especially the way he plays that character in Game of Thrones. Oh, man. But anyways, so that was one of the biggest reveals that he was physically in Avengers Affinity War. Because leading up to it, the biggest, I guess you would say, guesses on who he was going to play in this film was a voice of one of the characters of the Black Order. Because the Black Order, or as Mike liked to call it, Thanos' Goonies. Yes, Children of the Goonies. Children of the Goonies. <laughs> Sorry, I already screwed it up. Yeah. yeah. Thanos' Children of the Goonies, the actors that played them were not necessarily the voices of the actors. And so they were expecting him to play one of those characters, and he did not, which was great. Yeah, so Matt, I'm going to ask you. Now, I only have two things, but what didn't you like about the movie? Okay. I really, I have a soft spot for the Black Order. I really like the Black Order. I think it of them as like the opposite Avengers. They're the dark side. They're Thanos' goons. They're his, you know, like Thanos' fist kind of thing. Kind of like Darth Vader's fist in the 501st. They're his generals, and they're all just super badasses that he scoured the galaxy and got. Well, the Black Order originally was not in Infinity Gauntlet comic book. They are actually later on in a comic book run that's a little bit closer to our time now, just called Infinity. And I love how they were added to this movie and they played a major pivotal role. But one of my problems with it, with this film in general, and I know it would have made it a nine hour long movie, but I really think they should have explained who the Black Order was and why they're so important because they are major, major characters in the Marvel Universe, every single one of them. So that's one of the beefs I do have with this film. I really wish they would have been explained more and why they're so important and why they're so powerful. Yeah, they were they were pretty glanced over like besides you seeing him with, working with Thanos right in the beginning and then he kind of um tells him to to go uh work on getting some infinity stones. You don't know much about what what they do or how powerful they are or anything. They just kind of start doing uh Thanos's bidding while he's off getting another infinity stone himself. So Right. There's a lot more to them than just being Thanos' thugs. Yeah, that's kind of what they came off as. And, and, and you're right, Matt, but there's so much in this movie. I mean, they did so much. Yeah, it would have made it that much longer. So maybe have their own film or something on maybe like a, a Thanos origin film. Not that this wasn't. This was a pretty good Thanos origin film because clearly Infinity War is not really that much about the Avengers. It's really Thanos' story why Thanos is doing what he does and how he's doing it and things like that. Yeah. Like, for instance, the Maw, one of the main villains in this one, he actually dies in this movie, 
or they say he does. The Ma is the guy that has like the weird looking face. He doesn't really have a weapon and he's manipulating everything around him. Do you know what his power actually is? No, I don't. Deception, deceit, and manipulation. In the comic book, in the Infinity comic book, Doctor Strange is considered one of the most powerful minds in the galaxy, in the universe kind of thing. And the Maw is in Infinity gets into Doctor Strange's head and sits there and manipulates him to do all these horrible, terrible, evil things. And you really don't see that. Lying, deceit, deception, those are his powers. And you really don't see that much in this film. And I really, I think that is what makes him an incredibly unique villain. And you really don't see that in this film. And he's already dead. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Okay, so that was one problem I have with this film. You want right. to hear my other problem? Sure, go for it. And it goes completely against the Black Order and things I just said. But okay. there is so much... There is so much going on, just so much. It's hard to pay attention to the whole thing because you're getting like distracted and you have all these subplots and going on and things like that, which don't get me wrong, was great, but there is just so much. It's so dense. It's hard to absorb all of it, which is completely opposite of me saying they needed more Black Order because like we really needed another story, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Like uh, we would... Um I mean, Ma- Maggie has already mentioned to go see it again, uh, just oh, to, yeah. I have absor- to I have absorb to. it again, because it's like, there's so much going on. You're right. Like, well, if I kind of already know what's going on, maybe I can see some other things that are happening. And so I, I, I would really recommend seeing this movie twice. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. At least twice. And if that second time is at home or whatever, that's fine. But definitely make sure you see it at least once in the theaters. For sure. This is a summer blockbuster popcorn flick. You need that experience. You need that communal experience. You need the incredible surround sound, the big screen. That's what this film is made for. Yeah, this this movie was just awesome in the theater. I mean, the only thing that I would warn against, but I mean, you can't really control this, is sometimes you don't have a very good crowd, but when your crowd is totally into it, like ours was when we saw it, it was just so much fun. You kind of like feel the energy. It's almost like going to like a concert or something. There's everyone's excited and they want to see everything happen. Sometimes there's a little bit of cheers when certain characters show up on the screen. Like it's, it's amazing. One of these times, the next time you come out here, we need to try and schedule it around one of the private showings I go to with the comic book shop. It would blow your mind because you got to remember, we're seeing, you know, I saw this movie with basically 50 other hardcore nerds that they know when to laugh. They know when to cry. They know when to react. They are completely silent unless it warrants it. There were parts in this movie when I was watching it with my comic book crew where they audibly gasp. I haven't heard a gasp in real life in a very long time in a movie theater. And there were people that were just gasping, especially towards the end, you know, like when Gamora died, when uh, Loki died, literally like the whole theater gasped. It was pretty, it was pretty intense. It was, it was awesome. And that's the experience that is so much fun about going to the theater still. This, this movie was great. My only two complaints are oh, really, yeah, I probably should have asked you that. What are your issues 
with Infinity War, Michael? My only complaints are the CGI. So Bruce Banner, they gave him the uh, what do you call? Yeah, the Hulk armor. Yeah, yeah, they gave him the Hulkbuster armor, and it was a little when his. So there's some scenes where he doesn't have his uh, helmet on, and it's just Bruce Banner, and the CGI just kind of looks bad with his head just kind of like he's yeah i don't don't know it just kind of i don't know it didn't look quite as polished now granted there's so much cgi this movie is most of it's right on point it's really well done but that one was a little weird and then the other part that i mean it served its purpose but i couldn't really tell what these things were were when they're on um uh, Black Panther's uh, – oh, what is it called? The area Wakanda? of Black – Wakanda. Uh-huh. And they're getting attacked by all these creatures. Man, I couldn't tell what any of those creatures look like at all. The cutscenes and everything were so fast. You know the people are, are like uh, – are fighting, but it was just like this kind of hand-to-hand giant, almost brave heart or, or like, you know, crazy running at each other fight fight. Matt, do you disagree? Were you able to tell? Like, it was so fast. No, there, there's a lot of chaos going on there. There's a whole lot of chaos going on there. Those little dog-looking creatures are actually another callback to the Infinity comic. I forgot the name of them, so I had to look it up real quick. They actually are known as Outriders. They have four arms and two legs, and they don't have any sight. Well, they don't have any eyes. They have sight. Okay. They are... um technically a race of genetically engineered parasite assassins which they're solely to serve their master and creator there's a lot more to those creatures than what they alluded to in the film which kind of sucks again how long do you really want this movie to be you know (laughs) no no i'm with you man it was just it was just so quick like i think a lot like that would be pretty much my only critique is some of the real fast cuts, cut scenes and stuff that were done there for that. And it might have just been to hide that maybe those special effects weren't as good. Um, and, that, that you know, granted, this movie had a ton of stuff. Did it take away from it? Not really at all. I'm pretty much nitpicking it. It was, it was a great movie. Oh, yeah. Both of us kind of are on our things. One more thing that that kind of I don't know if I would say it's uh, a downside. I guess you would say it's a downside. It's kind of like a roller coaster to me. There's hardcore action and then a low point and then hardcore action and low point and hardcore action and low point. Now, I understand why they have these low points, because it's character development. It's story building. You have to have that, but it was just like constant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There was kind of like never, never letting up either way, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah, I guess it was either real low or real high because there was like right. action. And that, and it did. It was very roller coaster in yeah. that. Uh, I liked their um, pacing and, and the way that they did that. But I think some other people have have had that issue as well but I, I i liked it i thought it was fine it's a very minor issue for me but it's still kind of an issue i still had to bring it up because i clearly i was thinking about it 
like I was saying, I still did not feel like this was almost a three hour long movie kind of thing. You know, it, it did not. No. And so if it, it, it did not, it was entertaining from start to finish. I just, the highs and lows is like, they get you on the edge of your seat and your heart's going to pop out of your chest. And then the next scene you're like, okay, they're doing this. Okay, cool. And you're like calming down a little bit. And then you're starting to get the point of almost boredom, I guess. I don't mean to phrase it that bit way, but that's kind of the best way to do it. And then they bring you right back up again. Yeah, it seesaws a bit between, you know, the the story development. I felt all of it was very well done. It was stuff needed and it wasn't too like lengthy, it wasn't too crazy. But they were trying to get you to all the characters, which is amazing that they were able to cover all these characters. Oh, yeah. And not have it just seem like they threw all these characters in and you're kind of like ready. Not, I guess this is a good comparison. Ready Player One, where, you know, Ready Player One has all these pop res- reference cultures, pop reference cultures. Wow, pop I screwed that one. Culture references? <laughs> pop culture references. <laughs> a little dyslexic on that one. Where, like, you know, you see the Halo guys run across uh, Spawn for a split second and all that stuff. Thank God it wasn't like that. Like most of the 70 characters that are main characters that are in this film have a good amount of screen time. Their screen time makes sense. It advances the story. It's not like, oh, hey, look, there's so-and-so. Oh, look, they're gone. No, it was definitely, there's a few pop culture references in this movie that I thought were hilarious. I'll save those until till you're ready. But uh, there was just a couple things that were really funny. Well, I was just uh, that was just the easiest way to me com- to compare it is to Ready Player One because you know Ready Player One is just jam packed with so much stuff. Oh, it had so much, and they didn't do that with this film with how many characters they have. You see them all. Oh, well, okay. Let's get into it because that's one thing I do want to talk about is future predictions, things I observed in the movie for going forward. Hawkeye. Hawkeye and Ant-Man are not in this movie whatsoever. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what uh, Hawkeye just felt like. They had a one-line thing in there that said something he was hiding out because he's hanging with his family or something like that. According to things that I've gone off of, uh, read and such, Hawkeye and Ant-Man are off doing some secret mission thing. Kind of like why... Thor was not in Captain America Winter Soldier because during Captain America Winter, no, not Winter Soldier, Civil War. Sorry, excuse me. In Civil War, you never see Thor. You hear mention of him, but you know what's going on that whole time period is Thor Ragnarok and hunting down Hulk. And that's when that movie takes place is around the same time Civil War is going on. Basically, what's going on is that Ant-Man and Hawkeye, I believe, or at least this is what people are thinking, are out doing their own secret mission that is going to tie into these next couple films that are going to come before the next Avengers movie. Ant-Man and Wasp, I think, is going to have a major tie-in to Avengers Affinity War. Big time. I think it's going to be something related to either Adam Warlock being introduced finally or the Soul Stone or something. I think there's going to be a massive, massive part of Ant-Man and Wasp that's going to be integral to Infinity War and the upcoming Avengers 4. 
Yeah, and Ant-Man and Wasp comes out July 6th, so it's really not that far away. I feel like this summer has officially kicked off with this movie. I can't believe it's April and we're saying that summer has started, but it has. I don't know, dude. I still consider it kicking off in March with Ready Player One, because that was a summer blockbuster. You think March kicked it off with Ready Player One? Yeah, I don't dude, know. That, that is a summer blockbuster for sure, but it came out in March. And I think they were they came out in March because they're just they they're scared they can't take on these Marvel movies. So there's there's Deadpool comes out in a couple weeks. Oh, oh, there's, dude, I'm so I okay. I hate to say this, but I am a massive, massive Deadpool fan. He is probably my number one favorite comic book character of all time. I am looking forward to Deadpool two more than I was looking forward to Infinity War. Now, Oof. don't beat me up for that, but I just love Deadpool just on another level. Yeah, I, well, I enjoy Deadpool a lot, too. The first movie was fantastic, so uh, it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It's different. And I don't think Deadpool will relate to Infinity, even butt up against it in my own mind in the world and things like that, but I just love Deadpool. I mean, Infinity War is a freaking powerhouse. Yeah, it's no, an it incredible, is incredible, incredible film. I mean, Infinity War is probably going to be the first or the fastest movie to make a billion dollars ever made. Uh, I mean, it's there's there's so much stuff, so many characters. It really is just a testament to how well Marvel Cinematic Universe has been able to consistently keep all of the movies related and the characters all straight and all the plots and storylines of all these different movies i think this is the 19th movie matt 10 years 19 movies and it all makes sense you know they're they give you just enough yeah it's they're not trying to cram it down your throat but they're giving you just enough to mesh them all together leading up to this movie infinity war okay so we can keep talking forever and ever, but we're almost at an hour already, so we probably should start wrapping up soon. Oh, man. Has it been an hour already? Yeah. All right. Yep. I'm coming up on 50 minutes on my clock, but Woo. with editing and everything, it'll probably be less than that. Here's a couple that I want to bring up. The ending, we see the elimination of half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe heroes. Spoilers. When Thanos snaps his fingers, they're just gone. They all disintegrate and go away. Here's a couple observations that I'm not sure that you made, Mike. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. All the heroes that are still alive are all the ones from the original Avengers movie. It is Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Black Widow, Hawkeye. Everyone else that was not in that original Avengers movie is gone. Did you notice that? No, I didn't, Matt, actually. Yep. <laughs> so that's real interesting, especially when with the sequel coming up next year. So I think all the original Avengers are going to have to team up and become the quote-unquote Avengers again and figure out how to fix this next problem that I'm going to talk about. Again, this is my nerdy side coming out with the comic books and reading it and all these things and knowing a little bit about it. Where do you think Thanos was at the end of Avengers Affinity War? Clearly, he's in a paradise somewhere, 
sitting at this farm or this cottage or whatever overlooking this beautiful, incredible landscape. Mike, where do you think he was? I am not sure. I really don't know exactly. You know, he's not on Titan, but I don't know where he's at. Okay, so here comes super nerd side of Matt coming out. The soul stone of the Infinity Gauntlet, which in the comic book world is actually known as the soul gem. They're called gems. They're not called stones in the comic book. The soul gem in the comic books is actually a living, breathing entity. It is not just a gem. It is a living thing. And what happens in the soul stone in the comic book is that whenever anyone is kind of killed or taken out by the soul stone, they their soul is absorbed into the soul stone. And there is a parallel universe inside the soul gem where all these souls reside. Now, here's my theory. I don't know if this is true or not, but this is my theory. At the end of the film... Thanos is standing over this beautiful area, and guess whose hand he's holding? Little uh, Gamora as a child's hand. Well, Thanos will always remember, and they kept going back to this throughout the movie, whenever he would go flashback, you wouldn't see Gamora as an adult or a teenager or whatever. You always saw her as a child through Thanos' eyes. Right. So when Thanos killed Gamora to get the soul stone, I believe the soul stone absorbed Gamora's soul. And how Thanos remembers her is as child Gamora. And so Thanos is inside the soul stone. And that is where he is choosing to reside and spend the rest of his days accomplishing his job at the end of wiping out half the universe. And so now he gets to spend it with Gamora, who is alive and well in the Soul Stone, along with all the other Marvel characters that had died based on him snapping his fingers. I don't think they died. I think they were all absorbed into the Soul Stone. Oh, wow. And so that And so that is going to lead into our next film, I think all the other Avengers are going to have to come together and do one of two things. Either figure out how to roll back time so that Thanos, because remember, the time stone or the time gem is on the gauntlet. And so that controls time. You could roll back time and bring everybody back to the point where when he snapped his fingers, it didn't happen. Much like what Thanos did in the movie, rolling back and taking the stone before um, Vision was killed. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, they, they kind of already did that. So you think maybe, Matt, that that's a little bit of a foreshadowing to the next movie? It's one of the possible foreshadowing. The second, for, the second theory I have is the next movie, instead of them rolling back time 24 hours and everybody will be alive. I think they have to figure out a way because the Avengers, the original Avengers, like I was pointing out, are all going to come together. They're going to have to, and they're going to have to try and figure out how to go get after Thanos. And so instead of maybe rolling back time, they find out he's in the soul stone, but then they have to figure out how to get everyone back out of it. So I think it's going to go one of two ways. Those are my theories. Okay. Now here's the other one that's going to really hurt though. Besides Gamora, because they can't have Guardians of the Galaxy without Gamora. She's huge. People love her. 
There's already Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. She has to be in it. It would be stupid for them not to have her in it. I think she's going to come back. But all the other characters that we saw die prior to Thanos snapping his fingers and wiping everyone out is gone for good. I think Vision is gone. I'm pretty sure Loki is gone. Heimdall is gone. Everyone that died before Thanos snapping his fingers is permanently gone out of the MCU. That's what I think is going on. Anyways, I know that was huge rant going off, but this, for those of you that are super interested in this, this is where my theory is the next film is going. Sounds sounds good, man. Based on my super nerdiness and comic book reading. So, Matt, I I guess I guess we have to rate the movie. Oh yeah. Uh, how many reels would you give this movie? All right. Avengers Affinity War is going to get my highest rating yet out of any 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 episode we've done. Granted, we haven't done a ton. Now, it's not 100% perfect. It had flaws. But I rate Avengers Affinity War, as I told my buddy Patrick last night at the football game, four and a half reels out of five. Woo! Man. So, Mike, what's yours? Well, I was teetering on rating it between five reels and four and a half. And I think I'm going to do four and a half as well, Matt. Nice. I really, really like this movie. So, I want everyone to see this. They have to see it. Yeah. If you are a fan of Marvel, nerd culture, any of this stuff, you have to see this in the theaters. You just have to. And that's what fives, four and a halves are reserved for. It's four movies like this. I I would love to give this movie a five, but like I said, there's a couple little nitpicky things. Will I have a five in the future? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this is the closest it gets to a five. I don't know. Yeah, it's just this movie is incredible. So, Matt, on that, I want to leave the listeners with it was epic. It was emotional, and I want them to go out there and kick names and take ass. Kick names and take ass. <laughs> uh, that's that, funny. That's a quote right out of the movie. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> I thought it was funny. All right. Well, I guess that's it until our uh, next one. Right, Mike? Yep. Until our next one. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Ted. We got some late-breaking news, last-minute news, whatever you want to say. For those of you who haven't been paying attention to our Facebook feed or Twitter or Instagram, we're going to be part of a cross-podcastination, I guess you would say, with a couple of our sister podcasts. The Mile High Show, hosted by uh, the one, the only, Mr. Matt Santos, and our good buddies over at the Blue Milk Podcast, where they talk nothing but Star Wars. That's uh, BJ, Jacob, and Dirk. On May 18th at 7 p.m. at Big Daddy E's Barbecue in Chino Valley, we're going to record a live show, kind of a panel discussion with all of us discussing the new Han Solo film that is coming out on May 24th. I guess technically May 25th, but, you know, there's a midnight showing and 
preview night or whatever they like to call it. Anyways, everyone is invited to come out. We are going to have prizes. We're going to have food. We're going to have some giveaways. Alcoholic beverages will be there. You are encouraged to bring your own. It is a BYOB establishment, specifically out on the patio. Eric, the owner of Big Daddy's, is doing us a huge favor, and he's staying open an extra hour later for us to be able to do this live podcast. Typically, they're open a little later on Fridays anyways. Big Daddy E's has live music, or they started their you know uh, music on the porch or patio or whatever series, and it's getting ready to start here, I believe this month in May. They have Brothers Coyote coming out, and they're going to perform from 5 until 7 p.m., and then Eric is doing his favor by keeping the place open an extra hour so that we're going to be able to do our podcast. And I am going to try and show up around, I don't know, probably 6 o'clock, 6.30, whenever I get off work, uh, listen to some music, and then we'll roll right into our podcast. So do yourself a favor. Come on out. I think it'll be a good time, especially if you like Star Wars. I'm a huge fan. Obviously, the Blue Milk guys are huge fans. And then you have Santos, who has no idea in the world. But his son is going down the right path, and he is becoming a huge fan of Star Wars. So I'll let Maddie slide on this one. On a super special note, that evening, we are going to be giving away movie tickets to the new solo film, the three podcasts, Mahai Show, Real Film Nerds, and the Blue Milk Podcast are joining forces, and we got a theater to have our own special screening on Thursday, May 24th at 8 p.m. Santos will be there. The guy from the Blue Milk Podcast will be there. I, unfortunately, will not be. My nephew, Michael, is going to be graduating that night, so I will be disposed, which sucks because I've seen every single Star Wars movie on opening night, but you know, maybe I'll go after he graduates and hopefully no one will notice. So we're going to be giving away a bunch of tickets to go see the movie with us, with the different podcast hosts and and it's all on us. The movie is going to be completely free. The tickets are going to be completely free. Now snacks and things, that's all on you. I just wanted to bring that out, let you guys know we finally secured the theater in writing. We're good to go. And this is the first time you're going to be hearing about it. I'm sure Santos has probably already posted to his Mile High Show Facebook. He's pretty on top of that stuff. And I think the Blue Milk guys are putting it out on their next episode and probably on their Facebook and stuff too. This might be the first time you're hearing about it. If you are, maybe shoot me an email. Maybe I'll hook you up with a ticket. Who knows? We'll see. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Sorry about the last minute break in there, Ted. So I'll just finish it out. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, download, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email us. You know the social media stuffs at Real Film Nerds on everything. Have a good night and go out and catch a movie.